meeting the ancient mirror, uh, there is no person without a world. Uh, Dongshan, the second of the five ranks of the cycle of essential and contingent. Essential within contingent. Having overslept, an old woman encounters the ancient mirror. This is clearly meeting face to face. Only then is it genuine. Don't lose your head by validating shadows. The formulation widely known as the five ranks uh, is usually attributed to Dongshan Liangjie, who lived from 807 to 869. One, of account, one account has it that the formulations of the five ranks were passed down through generations of teachers in the Saodong line, beginning with Shetou, and that Dongshan, having received them from his teacher, Yunyan, wrote a verse on each of them, giving them the form by which we recognize them today. In terms of history and origins, we really don't know. Uh, the five ranks represent five perspectives on the Buddha's awakening. Um, well, look, we really don't know what the Buddha experienced uh, uh, under the Bodhi tree. Uh, so trying to do five perspectives on something which we really don't know um, feels uh, kind of rich. So um, the deep essence here really is that these five uh, perspectives, um, they can be expressed in various uh, ways. Uh, if you take, um, as Bridget Larry has the first two, uh, us in the world, uh, the world in us, just the world, uh, just us, just the, the person, but in the unique, uh, unique surely, but also with the, the vastness of the empty universe entailed there. And finally, us as the world itself. Um, or you can go uh, the light within the dark, the dark within the light, just the dark, just the light. Um, the light as the dark. <laughs> so it all sounds very abstract, but it actually plays um, a, a moment by moment for each of us. Uh, this is really uh, important. So uh, we come and we're looking at the second of these um, this afternoon. So the Buddha was sitting under the Bodhi tree uh, on the dawn of the after the 49th night of his sitting and uh, he looked up and saw, saw the morning star and said, now I see that all beings are uh, this one, um, this one right here now. Um, this is not an imperial thing. It's not saying I am that. It is saying all things gather, uh, all things are embodied as this one. It's just their delusions and attachments that prevent them from bearing uh, witness uh, to it.
So we are not separate uh, from the vastness. We are not separate uh, from all beings. Yet in the same breath, we are timelessly unique. Um, uh, it's kind of amazing. Uh, it's just another one of those contraries uh, that we live. Um, sounds like a paradox, but we live it moment by moment and it's no big deal at all. This is the sweet double vision of the Y reflected in its single eye. The world is our deepest nature. You know, sometimes in the bathroom uh, or in a hotel room, you turn and, uh, and look for where the mirror is, uh, maybe confused uh, for a moment. And instead of encountering the mirror, uh, you encounter a wall, a window, trees, a vista, a friend approaching, a parking inspector booking your illegally parked car. Um, surely our true nature is unfolding moment by moment. Uh, what is it uh, right now? Uh, what is it? What is it for you right now? Uh, who is it that you are? What is it that you are? So I come to look a little bit clo more closely at um, this essential within contingent also could be expressed as uh, absolute within relative, dark within bright, many, many ways. So there are two grand aspects to the to awakening. The first is the experience of empty oneness of no self. Realizing empty oneness is like encountering a mirror in the dead of night that reflects back darkness only. With this encounter, you realize that you aren't other than that darkness, where you can't recognize the other. This is to say that you experience your vast and timeless nature beyond knowing and not knowing. The tradition terms this meeting the ancient mirror, which shines back darkness only. And this corresponds to the first of Dongshan's five modes. Arthur Wells, who teaches Zen in New Zealand, says that with this experience, there is a sense of ancestral presence. And though you can't say how, your experience keeps grand company. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> it keeps grand company. There's something of the feeling is, is ancient, uh, timeless. Today's mode, the second, is about awakening to intimacy becoming intimate with reality and it with you. Emptiness and emptiness into... <laughs> uh, intimacy and emptiness um, go hand in hand. Um, they dance as ever-changing partners um, with you, as you. When we realize our intimacy with all beings and theirs with us, it is as though the darkness has lifted from that mirror, from that ancient mirror, and the world is revealed as our true face and deepest nature, our true home. Uh, in the Bible, there is a verse, um, St. Paul's words in Corinthians. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know 
even as also I am known. Uh, first, the first of these modes is very much the mode of emptiness is very much uh, seeing in a glass darkly. Um, then the mode of intimacy, um, uh, but then face to face. Yeah. So what is it? What is it for you right now? Who are you right now? When you meet reality, um, thus, this is the intimacy of true meeting. The world steps in and takes up lodgings where it already has long-term tenancy. In terms of the bright mirror of this mode, the world steps in to our life as our life. Uh, the world walks through your heart as your heart. This is intimacy. Intimacy includes our friendships and our loves and at the same time it is clearly more than them. We encounter intimacy without fear or favour. Intimacy with ocean, stars, earth, fire, with those we can't stand, as well as th with those we love. Such intimacy is unlooked for, and we move towards it, not so much by our own agency, but because it is the deep down condition of things with an undertow deeper than our own designs. The experience of intimacy is an encounter with the ancient mirror of our genuine nature. That mirror isn't an actual one limited in time and space with a front and a back, but timeless dimensionless reality in the guise of uh, the warm river, uh, goosebumps with rain, or the noisy plumbing in this old house in which I live. With respect to the ancient mirror at this moment, and I'm looking into my backyard, eyes and seeing are precisely the treetops with their 20 shades of rustling green. And this plays out not just for human beings, but also for stones, clouds, dust, and atoms. Um, in some ways, in terms of the world, uh, we are the true nature of uh, other beings. It's hard to appreciate this. We, we think it's a kind of a, a self-centric thing, but actually, um, yeah, we are the, what Huckerman calls the jeweled house of, uh, for other beings. I took a walk uh, earlier today and um, encountered reeds around a swamp and a duck crossing my heart's water. If it weren't for the transient, a wildflower, the palm of your hand, an hour, uh, what is timeless would have no means to express itself. 
uh, the Zen teacher Glenn Wallace expresses this as the universe is searingly impartial in its flourish of you. Isn't that marvelous? The universe is searingly impartial in its flourish of you. Uh, this isn't about you flourishing the universe, but in some sense, we can kind of uh, give a reality to that as well. Uh, luckily, it is like grace itself, it is outside of our control. We're not in charge of that flourishing. I want to tell a couple of stories of women and the way who have inspired uh, my life and that bear very much on this, um, uh, the ancient mirror uh, with its sunlit face. This is the story of uh, Irina Harford who sat with the Zen group of Western Australia for many years until her death in 2003. She took part in most of the group's activities, wrote haiku and was interested in quantum physics and its implications for the way. Even when her ovarian cancer was advanced and she was in a lot of pain, she still climbed the wooden steps of the Zendo. When Irina was very close to death, she asked me if she could take up another koan. I gave her the verse from uh, the Iron Flute, actually. True intimacy transcends friendship and alienation. Between meeting and parting, there is no difference. On the old plum tree fully blossomed, the southern branch owns the whole spring, as also does the northern branch. As Irina was not expected to live a fortnight, and as I was flying to New Zealand, I came to the hospital to say goodbye to her. As I signaled Doxan, she sat up with great effort and silently held up her withered arms. That was how she conveyed the intimacy of the universe in the guise of the old plum tree. This is the spirit of this mode of essential within contingent. Dongshan's uh, verse wrote a verse on this. Having overslept, an old woman encounters the ancient mirror. Clearly, this is meeting face to face. Only then is it genuine. Don't lose your head by validating shadows. The old woman's encounter with the ancient mirror is Dongshan's image for her awakening to her true nature. Uh, a notion like the ancient mirror may sound exotic, but it's just everywhere present. Uh, hibiscus bushes, photographs, blue curtains, grey sky, uh, not far to find. I am so grateful that we have an old woman as a protagonist in this significant verse. Um, women um, have been largely unacknowledged in Chan and Zen traditions, but so many women, old and young, have awakened and passed on the light of the way to others. In the West, we now have many women teachers. It's one of the great advantages of Zen coming West. Uh, we now have 
many women teachers and uh, especially teaching in our sangha, Mary Ridwin Roshi, conveying the Dharma with such eloquence and authority. And we are so fortunate um, to have Mary teaching with us. In terms of uh, uh, getting out of bed in the morning, <laughs> we are all muddle heads uh, as we struggle out of sleep, out of bed in the early morning and head for the toilet or our cushion to sit Sazen. Um, Early morning sazen is so good, the day grows out of your sleepy sazen. The old woman's experience and ours, if it is genuine, is the same as the Buddhist when he looked up and saw the morning star. The occasions are different, seeing the morning star, seeing your true face in the mirror of circumstance, but the sense of an encounter where the world is intimate with us, even as we are unique within it, is in common. For Dongshan, this is true meeting. To just briefly tell the story of Asan, uh, who lived in Japan in the 18th century, and her encounter with the ancient mirror. She lived in Shinano, Asan of Shinano. Uh, Asana Shinano lived in Japan during the 18th century. She was a sincere student who meditated assiduously. One morning, drifted, drifting in and out of sleep and struggling to stay present to her Khan, which might, might well have been, who is hearing that sound? She heard a rooster crow and her mind suddenly opened. What did she realize? That raucous invasion of her privacy cleared up things for her. It set her on her feet. So if you are working with uh, who is hearing that sound, um, good to cue the koan to your breath. Do it in short form. Who hears? Um, when you hear the dog barking, um, it's good not to associate on the dog barking, just the nothing but that um, don't scour the you know when it's suddenly silent don't scour the horizon uh trying to find sounds just continue to ask anyway and sure enough uh, a, a sound will arise to meet your question it's fine to just continue uh who hears yeah who is the one who hears So, you know, you have, uh, you have an experience uh, on working with uh, who is hearing that sound. And Asan said, uh, it's good to get it checked out. And Asan um, set her standards really high. Um, she went to visit ha Hakuen, um, greatest Japanese teacher of his time. Yeah. When, What can you say about Hakuan? He revitalized the entire uh, Rinzai line, which had fallen into, into complete disrepair by his time. So when um, she went to see, when Asan went to see Hakuan, she, uh, he challenged her with the question, what is the sound of one hand? Uh, well, she gives a wonderful response. <laughs> she says, better than the sound of one hand is to clap both hands and do business. You might think that she fails completely to engage with the Khan, not at all. 
the sound of one hand does business, uh, like the sound of one hand goes shopping and the sound of one hand tidies up. And uh, she's being kind of bold here, really. Um, she says uh, to Harkon, she's really saying in effect, don't bother me with these smelly checking questions that you inflict on your monks. Let's get down to tin tacks. Harkon, in response, he was a consummate artist and calligrapher, immediately drew Asan a broom. Okay, uh, that's how he, he showed her uh, the sound of uh, one hand, like that. Uh, maybe he was teasing her. Here's something to help you sweep away your delusions. Okay. <laughs> uh, unfazed, Asan shot back. Sweeping away all the bad teachers in Japan. First of all, Hakuen. Okay. <laughs> Wonderfully in his face. Her radiant gust of abuse made Hakuen roar with laughter. Uh, that laugh is their kinship in the way. It also blasts away contrivances like the sound of one hand. Uh, in, if you're working with the Khan, the sound of one hand, um, get any, get rid of any notion of clapping. Okay, the Khan is not the sound of one hand clapping. Uh, a precious little to do with that. Just uh, what's the sound of one hand? Hakuin, after many awakening experiences, could give Taisho all day. He was alive for whoever came before him, and he had creativity to burn. Here's his open throttle account of the ancient mirror, uh, what he calls the jeweled mirror, um, the mirror which is uh, 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 flooded with light. Here, all the myriad phenomena before her eyes, the old and the young the honourable and the base, halls and pavilions, verandas and corridors, plants and trees, mountains and rivers, all of these she regards as her own true and original aspect. It is just like looking into a bright mirror and seeing your own face in it. If she continues for a long time to observe everything everywhere with this radiant insight, all appearances of themselves become the jeweled mirror of her own house, and she becomes the jeweled mirror of their houses as well. Uh, the last line of uh, uh, Dongshan's verse here, uh, don't lose your head by validating shadows. Um, so, okay, you realize this matter, but you should not uh, cling uh, to it. Uh, you, otherwise, it just becomes conceptual and you are carting around and grasping a whole heap of concepts. Um, we may come to the practice of Zen in order to realize our true nature. But if we stay, we stay for the years of hard graft with our own difficulties. If we stay the course, we can grow our life down little by little into the world. Some of the pain we feel is growing pain. It's confronting, but we are doing what we must do. We may realize in an instant, but in terms of allowing the light to penetrate and to come to know ourselves, we have to take the time it takes. 
Ultimately, we discovered that when we opened to the bony structures of our defensiveness and resistance to the ribcage of our fear, we are also encountering a face that is no other than our own. Over time, we get to know the lineaments of that face. After a genuine awakening, we are changed in our depths. And although we are never immune from getting it terribly wrong, we're not meant to be proof against that, we come from a different place to make peace or to make trouble. Even our suffering is held differently or better not held at all. Just that disappointment, just that heartache. However, even after the deepest experience, accustomed habits of thinking and feeling return. Given the extensive connotations of shadow, we could drag, the drag in the darkness of a lifetime here. However, I sense that Dongshan is more concerned with shadows such as the all too human tendency to mull over an insight and attempt to recreate it. If you do that, to use Chin Chan's phrase, you are like a person guarding a stump, waiting for a rabbit. This arresting and very Australian image derives from the old Chinese story of the person who happened to see a rabbit collide with a tree stump and drop down dead. That person then continued to wait by the stump, hoping to catch another rabbit. Uh, another shadow is the attempt to steal someone else's rabbit. Getting a glimpse of our true nature is just the beginning. However, if we are going to be able to embody the way and to convey it to others, we must take the longer journey. We must take the time it takes to come to know ourself. In this regard, when we encounter the ancient mirror, we emerge with the means to look more deeply into who we are. Seen thus, our fear is, in the same breath, our enlightened self-nature. Ancient remorse is also our true face, not less than flowers and bells and the rising smoke of incense. If cowering and remorse are also our enlightenment, I don't like the look of that, and that's it too. When we get to know the lesser in the light of the greater, we may be less inclined to put others out of our heart. We come to see ourselves for who we are and over time the matter of me gets less solid so that we are less preoccupied with our own issues and by our fear of others and ourselves and can meet whatever comes with a measure of equanimity, if not acceptance. Like this, we must continue to practice and deepen our way. This means making a commitment as you have today to attend Sushin and staying uh, with it with all. In this regard, practicing alone makes you strong. Practicing with others opens us up. We must engage the world. Um, activism, study, child rearing, teaching, art. Um, there are myriad uh, ways that we engage uh, the world. Like this, there is no place where we are high, dry and safe from the world. We realise, but like the Buddha, we don't remain on that hill outside of Magadha, staring at the Bodhi tree in wonder. Uh, said that after his realisation experience, um, he spent three weeks just staring at the Bodhi tree. Uh, I reckon three weeks is enough. And then he descended from that hill into the world to teach for 49 years on the dusty back roads of India, teaching whoever appeared before him 
according to their needs and capacities. John Donne conveys it beautifully in these lines from his poem, The Ecstasy. So must pure lovers' souls descend to affections and to faculties, which sense may reach and apprehend, else a great prince in prison lies. Uh, what is that great prince uh, that is set free uh, when you actually engage um, the world? Uh, that prince is given uh, breath, life, hands, feet, uh, and the capacity to to save the many beings. Yamada Roshi said, we must encounter the true self in actual experience to the point where we can embody it as truth. Keep going. Great opportunity to sit session like this. Never enough. Never enough. It's the work of a lifetime.